0: Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and sales managers that wanna take things to the next level, and of course, salespeople that are looking to improve. This podcast is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. Learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. Today's podcast is part of our Sales Leaders Talk Sales series, where we talk to sales leaders about growth and development. This is Rebecca Toomey, and today I'm talking to Doug Holt. Doug is a mentor. He's a father, a husband, and he also is the owner of six companies and he helps people go after their dreams. So Doug, wow. First, when do you sleep?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a question I get a lot.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for being on our show, but seriously, when do you sleep?
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. And, uh, you know, like a lot of people who do a lot of things, I don't paint, right? I don't have that's my hobby is my business is my is spending time with my family. And uh, it, truth be told is the secret is hiring people who are a lot smarter than me. And they run the shows for me.
0: Awesome. That's a great way to go. And you also have a 14 month old.
1: I do. Yeah, a little boy. So I, I spend a good portion of my day wrestling with him. while I can still take him.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. And amazing. I'm so glad that you're able to really balance family and six businesses. That is incredible. So I can't wait to learn more about how you've been able to accomplish these things and really all your savvy knowledge in business development.
1: Awesome. I'm happy to share it.
0: (laughs) Very cool. Now, from your perspective, can you tell or share a little bit more with our audience about you and what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you said er earlier, you know, I'm I'm a husband, I'm a father, I run six companies. um, But the bulk of my time is really spent with my family and doing the things that I want to do. And it wasn't always this way. So uh, what I spend most of my time in the terms of business is really mentoring business leaders. And not only mentoring them on business, but really their holistic applications of their lives. Because I found with my own journey and with those people I work with, um, If you have one part of your life that's shaky, so maybe relationships is a common one for business uh, business owners, uh, then the whole house crumbles. And so I spend the bulk of my day really obviously running my companies, but I mentor the leaders within my companies. And then I also spend the rest of my day uh, mentoring other business leaders from around the world.
0: That's awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about how that works and how the process works for you and for your clients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what I do and the way it works, most of I, what I get is on referral, right? And I run a marketing agency, so we always hate hearing that we, we want to hear it happens organically, but you know, business leaders talk and I do it through two venues. One is direct one-on-one coaching and I call it mentoring. Cause I think it's a lot different than coaching where really we're look, we're looking at the business leaders, you know, life as it revolves around their business all too often as business owners. You know our lives. You know are so involved in our business that we forget the other aspects. So what I do is we work via phone and video, um, and I work in six month and one year segments with these people. Although we're rolling out what we call the ninety day uh, sprint that we nice. roll out for, for some business leaders, and then we also run them into mastermind groups. So uh, as we talked uh, offline a little bit, I just got off a call uh, with some business leaders from all over the world. There was one in Cyprus, one in the UK and the remaining were from the United States and we'd revolve around different topics and we're able to hit those within hot seats. And so everybody's getting clarity around what's going on for their business and their personal lives while listening to the others that are in the group. So it's extremely rewarding for everybody.
0: Very cool, very cool. Now I would love to learn a little bit more about your history with the sales side of things as well. Obviously we're talking about business growth and business development and sales obviously plays a role in that yeah. specifically. So how has your career evolved in, you know, kind of to where you are now? How, how'd you get to where you are now?
1: That, I mean, that's a long story we're not going to have <laughs> enough time to go through all of that, but, uh,
0: we'll you know, read it I, in the autobiography. I,
1: we'll, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'll be the, the offline. We'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> you
0: no, know,
1: I grew up with, uh, with a father who was an executive at Eastman Kodak in sales. Cool. And so I grew up listening to business and sell, sales cassette tapes, you know, in the car as a kid, uh-huh. you know, I remember back being four and five, you know, listening to, you know, swimming with sharks and things like that. Um, so I was very much into, you know, even in college, I'm reading Tom Hopkins and different salespeople, Brian Tracy, and learning sales techniques, just knowing that it's going to serve me later on. And being a young entrepreneur, uh, you know, I started really officially starting businesses in my early twenties, straight out of college, in fact in college and, and rolling into that. And during that time, I had to be the rainmaker when I started out, right? Yep. As many of us business owners have to be or or leaders in companies, we have to be the we're the tip of the spear going out there and doing sales. And that's evolved over the years. Now I hire salespeople to come in. And part of being able to hire a good salesperson is having some sales savvy and some sales background and knowing what works for your ideal client and making sure that the way that they go out and present your product and your service uh, represents you, you as a company and you as a person.
0: Definitely. Oh, that's so awesome. You know, I didn't know this about you, and that's this is a really cool point. I think uh, you and I have a very similar uh, background or upbringing, so to speak. My dad is also in sales, and I kind of grew up in that that whole environment. And I think that it really fosters the entrepreneurial spirit to have a father in the house that's focused on that type of work. So that's
1: really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we think about it, we're all doing sales, right? You, yeah. We've all heard that too, but it's, it's so true. Um, and having somebody around as a, as a mentor, someone to, to watch and their habits and see what works and what doesn't and kind of mold them your own is, you know, it's the exact reason I mentor people and I still have mentors. You always want somebody around you. That's going to be the example and, and help you help point out things that are working or not working.
0: Definitely. I think uh, my, my career in sales started when I was about, I don't know, six or seven. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when my dad had, uh, he used to have these sheets that he had to fill out for, I don't even know what they were for, but they were like, uh, you know, the multiple layer carbon copies, whatever, the pink, the yellow and the white, and just yep. filling out those things for him. And that's kind of where it started. And he just really picked it up from there. I remember all, all the lines, the so always about the clothes, <laughs> all that good well, stuff. I,
1: I was similar. I was going door to door in Orange County, California, selling things as a kid so i get money for toys or whatever it was. That's I've always awesome. been an entrepreneur and, oh, and pushed awesome. those things.
0: That's amazing. Now, I'm a big fan of humor, and I, I hope you are too. Do you have a funny sales story that you could share with us?
1: Oh, I've got t- probably too many. But um, <laughs> one that <laughs> jumps out to me. And I think that a lot of the audience can relate to it is I was invited to do, you know, a talk, which essentially is a pitch, right? I'm invited to a large organization. So you can picture me on stage, um, big audience, and this audience happened to be some of the top real estate agents, right? Okay. And so that's who I was going to be presenting to. And I was going to be presenting marketing services. I own a marketing agency, as I said and i was presenting this solution for not only this large organization which had been a great sale but also with the idea that it would trickle down to these other owners and so you know during this i said hey look do you have maybe three or four of the top agents that are going to be there that i can showcase their marketing um and pick it apart a little bit and like you i love humor so you know I'll, i'll give them a jab here or there and you know, I played sports my whole life, so I like that kind of sarcastic competitive humor as long as they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. And they said, sure, here, here are four names and, you know, go ahead. These people are great personalities, so it doesn't matter what you, what you showcase them. And so uh, I have my team prep the deck, which is something that going forward I don't do anymore without <laughs> reviewing it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going through. I'm going through this pitch and really just talking to them, and it's going really well, except for there's one guy. And there's always one right there's one guy that's in the center he's kind of the center of attention charismatic and he's looking at his phone he's laughing you know he's kind of talking back to me a little bit um and he's he's interrupting the flow but he's doing it on purpose he's kind of being a jerk but in a kind of a funny way okay he's interrupting the flow of my pitch and so then i start to roll into the next deck which i had my team prep which is let's see his marketing and he happened to be one of those people and so immediately the next deck comes up and it is just a whole list of pornographic sites. <gasps> I mean, a litany of pornographic sites as well as uh, websites that are selling uh, North Face gear just happened to be that. Well, his website had been hacked. And so oh. you can hear this whole audience just, <gasps> just like you did, this <laughs> go over of people because they didn't know who it was. And he starts laughing at how ridiculous it is. And then I get to point to him and say, you know what, I won't say his name, but he probably listens to this, you know, that's your website. Those all came from. And it, it, the whole entire auditorium just started busting up laughing. Um, it was amazing. So it it was a funny story if you were there and it obviously made, uh, that pitch, uh, turn a little bit as went through, we got the sale and, uh, we actually converted him into a client as well. So that was, Oh, wow.
0: Look at that. (laughs) So it it turned in into a good situation. And now did he get his website cleaned up?
1: He did. He did. He was working with an agency in Los Angeles, which happens a lot. And this is not that, you know, no problem, but, um, they just weren't watching him being hacked, you know, and he got hacked and he actually got kicked off Google and because of the hack and somebody had put, um, you know, links to pornography sites and selling, you know, North face gear, which would happen to be, um, out of his website illegally. And Google just kicked him off, so he jumped on board, worked with us, and uh, we got it all cleaned up for him.
0: I'd say that those two things are kind of the complete opposites of each other, too, right? North Face jackets. <laughs>
1: yeah, you would think so, right? Um, it, it was pretty. It was pretty interesting. Unfortunately, um, you know, the pornography was was, was child pornography, and oh, so which was even no. more heartbreaking. Oh
0: um, no, and that's really scary too from a legal perspective for him and his business I'd say I yes I'm
1: not
0: interested Yeah expert there's a lot of liability wall,
1: but <laughs> Yeah wow. absolutely
0: Well I'm glad you were able to help him clean that up and took it from something that was negative to a positive that's great
1: Yeah It was a lot of I mean it was a lot of laughter unfortunately well or fortunately <laughs> depending um, but let's just say he didn't make jokes the rest of the presentation <laughs>
0: Good deal. And now most of us have kind of a claim to fame in our field, you know, an area of hyper focus that we're really good at. Do you have a specialty or something that you're known for?
1: Yeah, what I've been known for is strategy. And um, it's just something that I just see. A lot of us have those talents that, you know, kind of the matrix, right? We can just see it ahead. And it's always been strategy for me ever since I was a kid, kind of looking at an outcome and reverse engineering it, coming up with a strategy on how to get there. And so that's what I use not only for my businesses, but I also use that when I'm mentoring a leader, right? I'm I'm looking at an outcome. What do we want to achieve here? What do we want to get? Um, and then how do we get there? And so whether it be marketing strategy or anything else, for some reason, I, and don't ask me why, it just makes so much sense to me and comes so easily to me that um, I can spend my time doing strategic analysis. And I'm not talking number crunching and things like that, but figuring out what the real outcome is not the one that most people say and then finding a way creative ways to get there
0: that's awesome and now what do you do once once you've developed a strategy for someone let's say what's the next step how i mean obviously there's going to vary from project to project and everything's going to be a little bit different but you know taking that strategy and making sure that business owners have the tools that they need to actually uh, execute on that strategy would you say that that's uh, an area of struggle for some people, or most people, once they've developed their strategy, are able to just quickly transition and and implement.
1: No, I think it's a huge struggle. So I think most leaders feel confused and stuck. Um, a common thing I hear; those are two common words I hear described in private, of course, okay. over a glass of wine, maybe mm-hmm. or two. <laughs> um, but you know, usually what's happening is a lot of people feel like they're just stuck spinning their wheels. Right, My to-do list is ever-growing. Um, and so what happens, what I do is I go in, if I'm working with a leader, say a CEO or, or a leader in an organization, could be a sales leader, is then I gamify that. So okay. I develop what's, what I call a 90-day game. It's called okay. the 90-day game. And we look at five key categories of their, of, of their life, business being one of them. But again, I like to look at it holistically because you know so many business owners lose their health or relationships while focused on business you know, yet yeah, they'll claim that those are the most important things. So I include health relationships, um, as well as soul, you know, and soul can mean anything. So then what I do is I gamify it. Like, right? so at the end of, you know, to give you an example, Rebecca, at the end of a, a football game, you know, or a baseball game or basketball game, you know, how do you know who won? And the answer is the scoreboard, right? You look mm-hmm. at the scoreboard. And so what I do is I develop for these leaders, a strategy and a game, so at the end of every day, week, month, and quarter, and eventually years, they understand if they're winning or losing. And awesome. that gives them the direction to really move forward.
0: Awesome, I love it, fantastic. That sounds like the clearest way possible to make sure that people get it, get things done. Oh, I like that. Yeah, love it.
1: and it's getting the right things done, right? Because I mean, yep. the truth is as you know, you're know, you really busy and I'm busy and you, know, you got back from a trip, we were talking about this, I travel a lot and go on adventures you know, we want the outcomes. And so often people get so focused on the to do's Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, do you really care as long as you get your outcome? yeah. And I think people lose sight of that. If we focus with outcomes first, whether it be the outcome of the sales process or the outcome of, you know, business growth strategy or in our personal lives, then the way we get there isn't quite as important. And you don't, you don't have to get lost in the minutia and you can actually play with it a little bit more.
0: Definitely. And I think a lot of us get caught up in thinking that we need to be the ones to do certain things, you know, oh, I got to do this or I have to do that. And there are so many things I'm learning this um, day by day, actually, because we have the distinct pleasure of having a marketing intern now that's assisting with some of the back end stuff that, you know, it's stuff that you don't always think about when you're in your day to day of little things. And I know salespeople in particular and managers, it doesn't matter what level you're at. There's those little tiny tasks that are time consuming, that suck up your time and don't really do anything for the bottom line, so to speak. So learning when you can pass things off to another resource is a really important thing as well.
1: Oh, it's huge. I mean, someone in your position or a business leader, your time is probably, you know, there's all these theories, right? But if you're a visionary in particular, which a lot of entrepreneurs are, your time should be spent thinking, right? Thinking about innovating the business, right? Mm -hmm. Peter Drucker said there's, if you boil all businesses down, it comes down to, you know, innovation and marketing. And I use sales and marketing together in that term. I think he did too. But you know, there's three things that I teach leaders to do right away. It's three words. It's eliminate, automate, and delegate. And it's got to be in that order. And if you follow that process, you can wipe out probably 80% of your, your to-do list right away. And that gives you, as a leader, more time to focus on what you do best right? and to grow the business and set the strategy and set the course rather than getting caught up in that, that typical state of, well, it's just faster if I just do it myself or I'll do it, I'll put it out the fire.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's amazing how we think that in our minds too, that oh, it would be faster if I did this and then you realize when you actually do pass off the whole project to someone else or the whole uh, you know, series of tasks that it gets done. <laughs> it still gets yeah.
1: done. <laughs> and for me, oftentimes better than I would do
0: it. Right, right. I know. We we hang on, we cling to these things, but you know, it, we don't can't be everything to everyone. You can't get everything done. That's uh, right. Especially when it comes to you know, just making the process work, we've got to stay focused on strategy and process and executing, like you said, I like that. Eliminate, delegate, and?
1: Eliminate, automate, then delegate. Then delegate. Yeah, because if you can eliminate it, get rid of it, right? There's no need to anybody just to do busy work. And then if you can automate it and still have the outcome you want, great. That frees up your, your marketing intern to do the stuff you're delegating to her.
0: Exactly. Now, we all struggle from time to time, of course, Can you share a time where you kind of hit the wall, so to speak, or faced a big challenge, challenge, not challenged, Um, kind of what happened and how'd you resolve it? Did you learn anything from that?
1: Yeah, um, I can share. Again, I can share a lot of these too. Um, We're human, right? We all struggle and hit hit pitfalls and, you know, to hit the mountains, you got to see the valleys. Um, The first one that came up to me is back in 2007, um, I was a young, younger business owner, I shouldn't say young, but younger business owner. And, um, I had three companies and I happened to at the time being coaching, you know, as I do now with some of the most successful people in the world. And they were telling me how lucky I was. And I remember sitting there at a coffee shop, just realizing, you know what? I'm not happy. I'm, I grabbed a journal and notepad and I went there regularly to meet my mentor and um, this was a big challenge for me. It wasn't a, a challenge in the sense of a, a client that I had to acquire, things like that. But what I had realized is I had built up this amazing life from the outside, where I had these companies that were successful, yet I wasn't fulfilled myself. Okay. And luckily, I was young enough at the time to turn it around. But the problem I found, Record, was I didn't see anybody else doing it the way that I thought it should be done. My mentors and coaches, I've always had coaches and mentors in my life, and something, you know, I just think is so important. Definitely. Um, one of one of them told me, who's very well known uh, in the business development and sales world, uh, said, Doug, you have it the best you can have it. Just keep moving forward. It doesn't get better. And, you know, his kind of answer was just, you know, keep grinding it out. And I was, I had that notorious thing that a lot of us have, right? I can outgrind or outwork anybody. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. I'll outwork you. You know, you might be smarter. You might be faster. I'll outwork you. and. Sure. What that led me to do, Rebecca, honestly, was just be burnt out and not happy, you know? Um, And so I set out on a quest immediately then um, to put the balls in motion. I ended up selling one of my companies to allow me to do this. But I started playing with the question. Well, it's a couple questions. One was, you know, if somebody followed me around and wrote down the last two years of my life, would that be a story that I would want to read? And the answer was no. I was like, yeah, it's interesting, but it's not a page turner. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I I know for sure I got one shot at life. I got one shot, one swing at this bat and maybe in others, I don't know, but I got one. And so I I wanted my story for me to be a page turner and I wanted to be the hero in that story. So I set out on the quest and for me being a business guy, it had to be my businesses had to work around my life and not the other way around. And that question, when I asked myself about, am I the author of my own story and is my is my story worth reading really changed my life and changed the direction to where I am today.
0: That's amazing. And such a great story. Thank you for sharing that with us. I know that we actually talked about work-life balance um, over the summer months. And that's something that a lot of people struggle with is knowing when to say no to work things, knowing how to balance their personal life and their work life. So do you have any tips kind of of how you rebalanced your life?
1: oh yeah um gosh i could talk about this all day Uh, as you can't tell this lights me up i'm passionate about this um this is what i teach the mentors that i work with and we go into deeper levels Um, so first of all the notion and the story that your personal life and your work life are separate is bs right it just it's not true and if it is true for you you are lying right you're (laughs) lying in one area of your life because you're one person you're one whole and complete person so if you have this persona at work and it's a different persona at home, then you have conflict within yourself. It's just welcome to reality. And we all know this intuitively. Um, so that's the first thing to recognize in somebody is, is we tend to lie to ourselves more than than anybody else, is recognizing who you really are. And once you get that clear, that frees up so much space. I see this with <laughs> with very, very high-powered power, CEOs all the way down to you know, kind of mom and pop businesses that I'll just talk to when, you know, I go in and doing talks is people think, oh, I can, I can compartmentalize this part of my life. Well, it doesn't work that way. Uh, Mm -hmm. never has. So that's one thing. The next is to look at your life and your outcomes, like KPIs, right? Your key performance indicators in your business, Mm -hmm. you should have them in at least five areas, right? Of your life. So business is one, right? But what about your mind? What are you learning? What are you, how are you growing? What about in the area of your body? Are you taking care of your health? What about your soul, right? Whatever that means to you. It could be your spiritual practice, getting out in nature, meditating, whatever it means to you. And then, of course, your relationships, because every time I've seen somebody get interviewed or I personally have interviewed people and I've been able to work with thousands of business owners at this point, almost everybody tells me, Doug, the most important thing in my life are my relationships, yet we don't spend the time to do that. So I think breaking down those five categories, I call it the five to thrive, um, just because it rhymes, Mm. no other reason. Um, (laughs) Those five areas and really looking at those in your life and making sure that you have outcomes and KPIs to measure in those five areas is critically important.
0: That's awesome. It sounds like you're going to have to write a blog post for us on this.
1: (laughs) I'd love to. I'd love to. (laughs)
0: Because these are such great tips and such an important... Topic and subject for right now. People are getting so burned out. I mean, heck, I've already been through a quarter life crisis <laughs> <laughs> myself. You know, you just work so hard that we have this tendency to, and, and it's, it, it reminds me of exactly what you said: overworking. Like, oh, I can overwork anybody, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything is working. Just because it, it, you, you, just because you're working too full, you know, to, to be even beyond. Um, it really takes going back to the drawing board and saying, "All right, now, what am I getting out of this? What am I accomplishing from all of this time and effort I'm putting in? Now, what am what am I getting out of it? Is it is the return worth it? I guess.
1: Well, yeah. And if you're bur- there's a couple things I want to unpack there if I can, but if you're burnt out, you're not doing it right. So some of the most, and I've I've had the luxury of knowing personally some of the most successful people in the world. And I can tell you right now, yeah, some of them work, they all work really hard, first of all. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them don't work more than 40, 50 hours a week. Uh, And some even less. It's Mm -hmm. what they choose to focus on, and I do mean focus, that makes a total difference. Yeah. The second thing, as a business owner myself, I have a lot of employees. If one of them is burnout, they are not going to be able to perform. And- even worse, you know how much even if you don't care about people which I care deeply about people and I hope you do too, but even if somebody listening to this is like, well yeah, they're just people, well then what is your op- what is your cost of onboarding somebody after they get out? Mm-hmm. what is the cost to your business to bring in a new employee you know what's the opportunity cost there too? Um, so you can bring it down that level if you need to but for me, it's really important, not only that my life is balanced, but also my staff's, because they're gonna perform at a higher level and my salespeople, well shoot, they're my director of first impressions, right? Those are the first people a lot of our potential clients are going to deal with. And you, I mean, both of us, right? We, You run into somebody that's burnout, what do they do? They're negative energy, right? Mm-hmm. That They try to be positive and even see right through it. You can tell they're run down. Uh, it just doesn't work. It's not a good representation. And it, unfortunately, it's a paradigm that I think is being spit out into the business community right now mm-hmm. that I think needs to be changed.
0: Now, as a manager, as a, you know, you're the owner of a business here, and we have a lot of CEOs that listen in. We have a lot of sales managers and VPs of sales that are overseeing and managing other people. What can the leaders do to impact their salespeople in a positive way? And, let's say that they're already burned out, can they help them get beyond that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, well, there's a lot of ways you can do it. So I use a document called the 515 that, you know, a CEO I worked for when I was in college shared with me and, and I've modified it since then where I actually ask all of my staff, they have to fill it out. So the idea is that it's been written about there's five minutes to read, I think 15 minutes to write. um, Although my, my staff might take longer to write theirs. I ask them what's going on. What are you doing in your personal life to better, you know, to fill your cup, so to speak? And I respond to those, right? And ask them what's going on. So it gives them that personal nature. But I think, you know, taking it a step further, if you have staff that are already burnt out, I think it's really smart to invest in them, you know, because you want them to grow within your company, of course, and to perform at a higher level. Invest in them to give them the education that you're getting right now and make sure that they have a little bit more of a holistic outlook on their life. Because again, if, if their sales staff is burnt out and they're going out there, they're just underperforming. Yeah. They might perform for a few weeks here and there, but the writing's on the wall. You're going to lose them. And you're going to lose clients to your competitors. But if you can help them by freeing up their schedule, teaching them proper ways to schedule with outcomes first, you know, going in and setting off, you know, kind of your 90, 91, you know, 90, having one goal, uh, the book, the one thing is great, you know, for stuff like that. Uh, there's a lot of resources I could give you, but teaching your staff how to manage their stress, how to manage their day and how to get more balanced will reap your rewards and your bottom line better than anything that I've ever found for my companies.
0: Awesome. I'm actually, I'll uh, throw that uh, recommendation for the book, The One Thing, into the show notes. And for those of you listening in, it, it you can find the show notes at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 83. Um, did you have any other resources you want me to throw in the show notes in relation to this topic?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, there there's so many that you can go over. Uh, we talk about it at the 90day.com. There's people that talk about the 90 day game or I talk about it, I should say, and, and some of my staff leave resources out there. Okay. Um, but when you're lo- when you're looking at training, you know, the people that are out here and looking at how to get the most out of, you know, the staff and 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 what you're doing, you want to look at from a I I look at it from a top down perspective. Your staff is watching you, right? If you're a CEO, you're a VP, you're a sales manager, they're watching you, right? Just like, you know, my 14-month-year-old, it's, it's hilarious. He's a great teacher for me because he re- reminds me of these things that, you know, he sees me do something and then two days later, he's doing it, whatever it may be. And I noticed that my staff does the same thing, my executive team. You know, if I'm starting to use a certain app to communicate or whatever it may be, they follow suit. Mm-hmm. And so they're watching you. So get yourself, you know, taken care of first, right? Just kind of like an airplane you know, they don't say, Hey, look, oxygen masks, go ahead and put them on everybody else and then take care of this. No, you put the oxygen mask on yourself first. So then you can help others. And I think, uh, people in leadership positions really need to take that to heart.
0: Great tip. That's awesome. (laughs) Very, very great tip. Now, of course, we've been talking about helping people grow specifically. What can CEOs, sales managers and salespeople do better?
1: Oh man <laughs> besides
0: balance their lives.
1: <laughs> I'll be calling out a lot of my clients. Um listen.
0: Ah you
1: know, I think that's the number one part of the sales process. And I you know, as somebody who's studied just, you know, so many books and and had mentors and gurus that are that are sales leaders, you know, the tactics, the tips are great. But at the end of the day, the best salespeople I've had on my team, the best people I've studied under are the most amazing listeners. They listen for what the client is really doing. They don't just listen for NLP techniques, right? That's a great sales thing. Like you're saying feel versus think and all these things, but they're really listening to the essence of what the client needs. Mm -hmm. And that is number one. Although it's also the thing I, I rarely, rarely see when I'm out in the field.
0: That is such a great point. And you know what? I would love to give a correlation to this TV show that I watched recently. They only it was some show that only ran for one season called Emily Owens MD. It's kind of like Grey's Anatomy, you know, fictional doctor type type show. But hmm. there was something interesting that crosses over to sales. And it's that, you know, it's all these interns basically that are becoming doctors and surgeons that are, you know, when they just get into the hospital and they're learning the ropes, that kind of thing. And there's one girl in particular, who's Emily Owens, that they keep sending to be the one that converses with the family and with the actual patient to just do the relationship building part because the other doctors are, you know, they're mean or focused on themselves or, you know, everybody always has a, has a, has an issue on that show, except for this one character who knows how to relate to people. And what ends up happening is she finds the diagnosis for these people from just talking to them and being human. Because as you talk, different things come out, you know, Mm -hmm. things from the past. And it's just so interesting that they can look at it from a science perspective and say, we can run all these tests. But if you don't actually build a relationship with someone and learn about their past history and that type of thing, it becomes a lot harder to diagnose. You're just kind of, you're basing everything on science when sometimes all you need to do is have a conversation with someone and it just was an interesting moment um, There was just one moment in particular that I remember where it clicked going wow this is such a sales business development relationship building moment where it really is about being a good listener listening to what the other person has to say what are their problems what are their struggles how did they get to where they are right now and so that's perfect advice uh, to share with our audience is Listening is key.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you and I talked offline about, well, we didn't, we talked about our personal lives, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we talk about lead gen and, you know, my, I have, a, I'm shooting myself in the foot cause I have a company that's what we focus on. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's people do business with people Definitely. and we forget that. Cause you know, you, you and I both brought into this communication that you and I have had today with all of the things going on in all of our life, our business, our personal life, vacations. You mentioned my 14 month year old, you know? And I think we forget that our clients, our prospects, they're coming into it with a very similar lens. So if you can capture all of that by just simply listening and asking the right questions, like it sounds like this woman in the show did, I think you're gonna capture such a better you know, market share that it really makes it such a big difference.
0: Definitely. And it's all about some of the times, it's just about asking questions and asking the right questions. And, mm. you know, I, I don't remember the stat now, but there is an amazing client of ours who shared a stat that he had run um, kind of a test with it internally to see. He wanted to know if the salesperson talks more than the prospect, what happens? The prospect talks more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he came up with. I, again, I can't remember. I'm going to have to look back for the actual um, data on this. But basically, the long and short of it is if you allow your prospect to speak twice as long as you do, you are much more likely to build a relationship that ends up in closed business. And it makes sense because people want to be heard. They don't want necessarily to say something and then you know have you kind of, all right, I'm just Talking just to talk type of thing, like exactly what I'm doing right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it goes for any relationship, right? I mean, you think of friendships, you think of dating or, you know, sales. It's just relationship building. And the more you feel heard, the more I feel heard, et cetera, um, the closer we feel to each other.
0: That's right. Now, you mentioned the book, The One Thing. Do you have any other favorite sales or business books that you like to recommend?
1: Um, I've probably read them all, and well, <laughs> Audible, right? Uh, I'm an oh, audio. Yeah. I, okay. At this point, I blame it on my dad with the cassette tapes, the fast track cassette tapes in the car back in the day. But nice. um, I did, I did, I just Audible. I can give a couple resources. Um, one thing I like is Blinkist, and I have no relationship with this company. Um, but it's an app that does book summaries. So, yes. um, yes. it allows people like me to digest books. It's like the, it's like in high school where you had the cliff notes, right. Mm-hmm. And you're going through them. Um, but the book that I like, and this is going to sound weird, but what you just said, uh, sprung it to my memory was how to win friends and influence people, um, uh, by Dale Carnegie. Mm-hmm. I think that book talks just what you just said is about listening and, and the relationships and the st- I'd love to see those stats by the way, cause, uh, cause I'll use those, um, but I think really, <laughs> okay, perfect. Really, what I think it comes down to, right, is relationships. And whether you're using LinkedIn or social media or, you know, you're going out there and you're doing direct sales, whatever it is, you are building relationships with people. And that's the most important thing. And so that book covers it, um, I think, in a great way and is a great introduction as well as a great revisit for people who are already well versed in sales.
0: Definitely. I need to reread that book. It's been a six years, probably since the last time I read it. Yeah, Refresh it. It's a, it's amazing. <laughs> though. That, that was such a great recommendation. Thank you for sharing it. Sure. Yeah. And now of course here at CFS, we talk quite a bit about sales playbooks and we're always looking for useful tips that managers, CEOs, and salespeople can put into their playbooks. Do you have an actionable tip that our listeners might consider adding to their playbook?
1: Uh, Yeah, in particular, with um, I'll just say something that's that I see working across uh, multiple industries right now, especially in the sales um, and prospecting environment, is the use of video. And video, in particular, in email and in social media messengers, Um, it's an amazing thing to add because you know, as you know, emails we all get a lot of them. Emails got you know, reportedly the best ROI in terms of marketing, but. Adding video into your text messages, if you have that kind of relationship with with the prospect or salesperson or staff, but then also adding video into emails. Uh, we're seeing, you know, even with B two B as well as B two C companies, the conversion ratios are so much higher. It's through the roof. And there's so much more you can do that. But that's definitely something that I would add to my playbook and consider utilizing uh, in my business right away.
0: Awesome. Thank you. That's a great tip and very unique as well, which I love. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Doug, man, this has been awesome. I really could talk to you all day and ask you a million questions. (laughs) (laughs) But for now, we'll have to table. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, Is there any last parting words that you want to share?
1: No, just everybody listening to this, remember that, you know, business is amazing. I love it. But you're a person too, so make sure you're filling your cup out there, so you can bring you know all the skills and talents you have to the world. Like we need you, so keep taking care of yourself.
0: Awesome, thanks, Doug. Thank you, and thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com/pod83. Tune in next week. We will be continuing the conversation about discovery-based learning and growth with the CFS Roundtable. In the meantime. Stay tuned for Friday's Inspiration, where our CEO, Charles Bernard, will be sharing an incredible quote from Mel- Melanie Gillette. And all month, we're writing about developing a learning culture and growth on the CFS blog, so check that out at criteriaforsuccess.com blog. If you're enjoying the show, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. And while you're there, if you could throw us a rating or a review, that would be awesome. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself here, Rebecca Toomey, Arianna Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!